I'm Angelina. Hey, I'm Esther. Hi, I'm Katie, and welcome to the Orton Gillingham podcast, where we chat about all things multisensory education, dyslexia, and ultimately how we can bring literacy to everyone. Hey, everyone. We're here with Janine Cyrus. She is currently the academic coordinator for language arts at Oakwood School, which is a private school for students with language-based learning differences in the D.C. area. She holds a master's degree in special education from George Mason University and has taught students with learning differences for almost 20 years. During this time, she's obtained training in numerous programs. Most recently, she spearheaded bringing Brain Springs Orton-Gillingham training to her school. Janine has a passion for working with students with reading challenges and dyslexia and has experienced what it's like to be a teacher, an administrator, and a parent of a child with dyslexia. Janine, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about tonight. We are too. And also joining us is Chad Hodgkins. He is currently a teacher at the International Academy of Macomb. And he has been teaching physics now for almost 15 years. And he originally went to Michigan State University where he met the most incredible woman (laughs) on the planet. And he does have his master's degree in physics and education as well from Western Governors. Chad is passionate about teaching and making connections with his students. It's probably his biggest passion Having known him for some time, I know that he loves working with students and this time is the hardest for him, he says, because he isn't able to make the connections that he usually does, but he is finding ways to engage with his students um, and make it as interactive as possible using different virtual platforms. And uh, it's that multi-sensory component. So welcome, Chad. I should be... Completely transparent that Chad is my husband, Um, and he is adorable. So I am biased. Well, uh, on that note, thanks for thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Excited to be here. Okay, you know, so we're wondering when you first moved to online classes in the spring. What did that look like for you guys, Janine? What did that look like for you? It was, I can tell you, it was scary. It was scary for everybody. When the governor first told us that we were closing, we just thought it was for two weeks. And so the teachers scrambled to send things home with the students. And that was a very unique day because you were there, Esther Brainspring was there with us that week right before we closed down. And so teachers sent home, some teachers sent home the interactive OG notebooks. Some were able to pull together some red screens and some things like that and some other materials. But we just thought we would be two weeks, you know, asynchronous work. But that clearly didn't happen. And so we had to really pivot and figure out how are we going to meet the kids' needs, especially our students. They are kids with learning challenges and they need a multi-sensory approach and how the heck do you do that over a virtual platform when we've never been trained in doing this so we were doing you know on the spot training and just everybody i think in the whole country was thrown into the deep end of this and we just had to learn it and so we learned how to integrate zoom with google classroom and just other programs we were just learning as fast as we can Um, and then we slowly went from doing asynchronous and synchronous a few times a week. We would do surveys with the families and see what was working for their children. We would survey the the teachers, what was working, what was not working. And then finally, over a few weeks, we really did change to doing synchronous learning every day and in the core subjects. So reading, writing, OG, and uh, math. And then in the afternoon, the older students were required to also attend classes in science and social studies. So we really did take into consideration the developmental abilities of of the kids and how much screen time they should really have. It was a challenge. Has it been better though now that the fall has started so you kind of have, I don't know, like a heads up and you could kind of plan for it a little bit better? Well, if we were still virtual, I think we would say yes, but our school opened in person this fall and we have 90% of our kids are um, in person and 
which makes, you know, about 90 kids because we have about 100 students in our entire school. But so that means 10% are learning from home. We gave that option to the families because some of the kids for health reasons or because of their families' illnesses and so forth, they couldn't come in. So we're doing concurrent learning. And it that, talk about challenging, you know, mm-hmm. reimagining how do you teach? How do you teach when you have, um, you know, one or two students who are Zooming in and then you have several others who are in person. And no. so it's, it's been, some of the teachers have said, well, you know, if I was 100% virtual, I think I'd be able to do this. If I was 100% in person, we could do this. But doing both, we're, we're reimagining things again. Yeah. You know, I'm wondering, um, there may be people listening that aren't, aren't educators necessarily. And I just wondered if you would like to just explain asynchronous learning uh, uh, and synchronous learning. That's a good question. We had to learn that one ourselves. Um, and so asynchronous is basically where I think of it like the children are doing independent work. And so there's assignments that are sent home and the children are doing it um, with without direct teacher instruction, live instruction, and they're doing it on their own. Mm-hmm. Synchronous learning is so you are learning together with your class. Yeah. I, and I honestly, I can attest to the fact that I've never seen a school mobilize the way Oakwood did. We were literally there the Friday that they discovered that it's all going virtual. Mm-hmm. And Janine, man, you stepped up. That was awesome. You did a great, great job. I'm sure you guys are doing an amazing job. So we should ask Chad the same question, huh? Mm-hmm. So um, Chad, what did it look like for you when you first went to um, online learning? It was nuts. Yeah? I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> it was like... I believe it. As Janine, as Janine says, it was, you know, let's just get to spring break. It was a couple weeks away. Okay. All right, we can do this. So, again, it was, here's some asynchronous assignments. And um, then it was like, wait a minute. I think this is going to last a little longer. And uh, then it was just Wild West. I mean, it was like... You're on your own. I'm hanging out in my garage. It's like 25 degrees and I'm trying to get students to pay attention. I mean, I actually came up with the slogan, teach like no one's watching. I I don't know. I mean, it was like we had kids showing up. We had kids not showing up. I mean, it was like. So how did you manage? So you teach science. Yeah. So what did you do? Thankfully, thankfully I found a, I mean, there's a community of people out there that, you know, are teaching virtually all the time and there's resources out there, you know, through a variety of different software and platforms. Basically, we were able to do labs. We were able to, you know, still do assessments and, um, you know, it's just, it's out there. It just takes a while to, mm-hmm. to get comfortable with it and to learn it. And, yeah. and that's still what I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm learning as I'm going. Mm-hmm. And I'm modifying and refining. It's like the most intense professional development I've ever had mm-hmm. is like every single day is like, oh, that didn't work. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's constant, but it's, it's actually been great. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm. That's great. Yeah, you're done. not falling. You're not learning. Right. <laughs> yeah. As we, as we tell the boys on the skiing. If you're not making mistakes, if you're not falling, you're not learning. So mm-hmm. by the end, man, you'll be a pro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was talking to my brother who's got a very technical job. He makes holograms, actually. And we were talking about teachers and how he says, you know, if somebody came to me and said, you have to do your job the way you've always done your job, but you can't use any of the tools that you are used to using and that you've been trained to use go do it and you better do it right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what, how do they expect teachers to, to do this? So to, mo- to, mo- to everybody mobilize so quickly. I mean, it's, it's really an amazing feat for everybody. Hats off. Well, and especially like both of your positions as educators, you have to be so interactive and hands-on and multi-sensory piece of it. I mean, Without that, you know, it's just not as a as effective 
as you would want it to be. But I think what we're finding is that there are effective ways, but you just have to be resourceful. You have to figure it out. And, and it's just, and I think part of that is because the people who are responsible for telling you what you should be doing had no idea what to tell you. So they're like, you right. figure it out. You right. Know? It, it's really interesting because we had um, at our school, we're always telling the kids that mistakes are opportunities for learning. And we're always talking to them about growth mindset and, you know, mistakes aren't a bad thing. And if it's challenging, if it's hard, that means your brain is growing. And when this whole thing happened, that forced us to walk the walk, yeah. not yeah. just talk yeah. the talk. Yeah. And so we had a taste for what our students go through every single day when they have to show up and learn how to read when it is so hard that they hate it. And when they have to do writing where they'd rather just take their fingers and you know fingernails across the chalkboard, they hate it. Now we're kind of being thrown in that same boat where we have to do something that is so hard mm -hmm. and you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Here you go. You tell the kids to do it. Now it's yep. your turn. Yeah. It's yeah. a humbling uh, position to be in. Sure. It does give you good perspective of what kids go through. Angelina, what were you going to say? I'm just thinking of the kiddos and all of this, you know, because mm -hmm. all us teachers are scrambling. We're like, what is happening? Like you were saying, our job is changing completely. And how about these kiddos? Like I know myself even working, you know, originally in the office now at home, I'm so distracted, right? Mm -hmm. I have a dog, I have a cat, I have a husband, I have food. <laughs> Everything is so distracting. I can't even imagine for a little kiddo, especially for one who struggles mm -hmm. to learn how to read. Now they have to be in a completely different environment. They're not with their buddies at school. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm, I'm constantly thinking and mm -hmm. I don't know. No, I think you're not. I, I think you hit it because our, our boys who are six and eight are doing the virtual classroom and they have to be engaged and they have like so much energy. <laughs> Wish I had a fourth of it. And to keep them focused, I mean, they do a good job and they're actually really good students. But I think about students who struggle mm -hmm. and they're home doing this, or they have attention, you know, um, difficulties or just things like that. How hard mm -hmm. it is to sit in front of a screen. And, and do these. Mm -hmm. So that's why that engagement piece is so important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what about, how did your school determine your current setup? I, I, don't, I don't know how decisions are being made. I'll be honest. Like, like it just seems like, uh, how, how's the school board feeling today? Well, I don't know. Let's just make a decision based on that. So it's not, uh, I don't see, I don't have the answer to that one because no one knows what decisions are being made and why. I mean, there's no targets. There's no, it's, um, again, I, I think it's like the school board hears from parents. I mean, this is all, this is all my, my personal opinion here. School board hears, hears from parents and they're saying, well, we got to do something. So they push the superintendents to do something. And that's how decisions get made, I think, in our area. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's not out there. I, I think in our area with, with independent schools, there really was a push for live instruction. And so a lot of the public schools, and, and this is interesting. This is what I learned. There was a lot of, um, let me take that back. There was disagreement as to whether or not the schools, the public schools should open, be in person, or be 100% virtual. And in talking to a couple of teachers from one of the schools, they said, our school can't open because in their particular area, in that demographic, we can't even keep soap in our dispensers on any given day. How are we supposed to have all of these safety precautions put in place and follow the CDC guidelines and do the social distancing and have the sanitizers? We can't do that anyway. How are we supposed to do it now? And my thinking is that because you do have schools from so many different demographics within one county, the county has to make the decision that's going to be able to be equitable across the board. So that's my thinking. I, I don't know. As far as Oakwood, because we are an independent school, we get a little more say in what we want to do. And, and it is, you know, driven by, it's driven by a couple things. One is, you know, the parents advocating for their children. 
And the other is really the, the real desire of the school to meet the kids' needs. And we saw, just like you were saying earlier about the kids, we saw that the kids don't learn well in an environment where they're sitting in front of a screen all day. And um, we needed to figure out a way to bring them back in. And so we did that and um, <laughs> we bit off a little bit more than we could chew, but we're making it work. This concurrent learning is, um, or concurrent teaching, whichever way you want to look at it is, wow, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's great for the kids because we really are reaching everybody, but I can see our teachers working 10 times harder than they do. Yeah, could they? Staying that level of, you know, energy. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know they can, but what a high burnout rate that's going to yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I know just from my experience with observing what Chad went through, some struggles and the biggest struggles that he's had to face so far with just changing setups from going into the classroom or from being in the classroom to going um, virtual because literally teaching out of our garage. Um, but I know that there's a lot of other challenges involved with that. Um, so I'm just wondering, and I guess I'll ask you first, Jen, because I did mention that you were teaching in the garage of our home, <laughs> which is not heated, by the way, or air conditioned. So what do you think would be your biggest struggle? I guess, I mean, with the setup and the changes that you had to make and transitioning from going into school and then um, being home, and now you're kind of back in the school, right? But in a different way. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't really, I want to overstate it, but it is, like, everything's been difficult, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like relearning. It's like starting over. Um, you know, like you you bank on these years of teaching and you have experience. And it's like, well, you might as well just start fresh because like everything that you've been doing is different now. And and it's like, but the biggest thing, I mean, luckily I've, I've found some some things that I think are effective. And, and actually I think the students are able to learn uh, but I have exceptional students. I mean, really, it's not even fair, to be honest, the students that I have. I mean, they're amazing. Because um, I have, you know, students that come in and they have to they have to enter a lottery to get into the school. Like, it's not, it's not the same as what a lot of people are facing. Um, so my challenges are, are not, are different. Um, my challenges are, my students are in, on a Zoom call for eight hours straight. And, uh, like it's a balancing act of everything. Everything's a balance. Like, okay, eight hours. So how much homework should I give them? Uh, probably none because the homework's going to be online too, right? Um, I mean, it is, it's just balancing like social emotional stuff. Like I need to check in with them, right? I have to check in. I check in with them every class, but then it's like, am I getting far enough? through my academic stuff. And it's like, does it even matter that much? I mean, I, it's it, every, every single thing is like being questioned, reevaluated. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's finding the right balance is the hardest thing to, to make sure that my students can just survive. I mean, they are, they are surviving and so are we. And it's like, how can we get through this together uh, it's it, every day. That's well, every day. even though you have, like you said, it's not fair because you have the cream of the crop kids and, you know, right. however, you, your kids are still a part of situations that are outside of their control, like watching their younger siblings and, um, you know, parents are, are, have to go to work or parents are home from work. So they don't have a computer or, you know, there's, there's other factors that play into that. Um, even though they're highly motivated, they're still very engaged learners too. Like not only home life situations, but they still need that, that engaged kind of learning. That's what they enjoy, you know? Um, I mean, they'll make yeah. do with whatever because they are so wonderful. But 
that is the most effective way that you teach them too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you have to be kind of, you have to be an entertainer. I hate to mm -hmm. say it, but like you have to, yeah. like you can't be boring because you're fighting for any attention. Like again, they're on the computer for all day. I can't imagine it, honestly, like being in their shoes. So it's like, how do you get their attention? Well, and you if, have to entertain if them. They were, you're, you I'm sorry, and I'm interrupting, but I, you know, it's, you're absolutely right. And if they were, if it was their choice to be on the computer for eight hours, they would be having a video game console in front of them. And that really, really grasps their attention. So you're kind of competing. The bar is pretty high with what you need to do to keep their attention for that long. Yeah. Yes. So I guess the same question then goes to you, Janine. Like, what did you find was the biggest struggle in changing of these, you know, uh, mm -hmm. your setup? Yeah, it's, it, it was one thing, it was that shift to doing the virtual learning, which I was telling you and the challenge there. And now we have to reimagine it again. And so how do we go about um, what materials do we use where our kids that are in the classroom with us are doing multi-sensory learning while the child at home, we need to make sure they're doing multi-sensory learning too, um, not just looking at a screen, watching everybody else do multi-sensory learning. So that's been a little bit of a challenge. And so technologically, I know our tech team, I they deserve like a pay raise of a thousand percent because they worked so hard over the summer as well as these few weeks we've been back trying to figure out the Zoom links, trying to figure out the microphone, the speakers, you know, making sure the students at home can, can have a good view so the teachers can then um, be able to interact with them and see them, you know, and, and be able to acknowledge the, those students at home as students in their classroom. And so really managing all of those, all of that technology in all the classrooms, that's been, that's been a challenge. And then on top of that, um, we also have had times where kids at home, they have difficulty connecting, or maybe they just decide to check out <laughs> and they just disconnect for whether it's an accident or not. And so our teachers then have to do a balancing act with keeping the class going, keeping the lesson going while being able to still reach that child at home. So we've been able to figure out a system where they, the teacher uses a walkie, they contact the administrators, and then we call the families and we work on troubleshooting at home while the teacher can try to continue the lesson. And it, again, there's that word balancing act where you don't go too far so that when that child can reconnect, they didn't miss too much. Um, but at the same time, the kids that are in the classroom aren't sitting there doing nothing. So it's, it's that constant need for giving each other grace. And our students, I mean, kudos to them because they've been so, I mean, they've been fantastic in the classroom. They've been patient with the teachers and they've been great about following the procedures for the masks and the social distancing and trying to, you know, keep in mind that there's kids in the classroom, you know, where they pick up the sounds on the mic. So, you know, keeping that in mind, it's, it's, I don't think I would have predicted this, you know, a year or two ago. If somebody said this were to happen, I would laugh. There's no way. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, no one could have predicted this. It's right. so nuts. It's like tearing out of a movie. Yeah. And that's also like part, I mean, this is so important to think about too, is we've never experienced, I guess, in our generation, something like this. So even in terms of administration, teachers, parents, I mean, we're all just trying to get by and do our best in our everyday lives. And now suddenly we have this crazy pandemic. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. I think so many parents are frustrated and they want to just like punch a wall. And I mean, we don't know how to deal with something like this. Well, and I think that one thing that brings me comfort as a parent and in our jobs as we're like instructing and stuff is that we're all in the same boat. Yeah. Like everybody yeah. is in the same boat. So mm -hmm. it is probably one of the things it's the most stressful thing thinking about all these things, but then it's comforting to know, okay, wait, I'm not the only one. Everyone is experiencing yeah. the same exact thing I am. It, so it's kind of cool um, for us as instructors because, um, we are doing what we what you need to do with your students so we're doing our zoom classes as well and so it's really nice for us to be able to say hey watch the way i'm doing this three-part drill 
And this is how you might want to try it with your students when you have to teach them online. So it's kind of cool that we're, we have some, you know, we, we, can, we can model some of these things, really directly model them, um, because we're teaching in the same situation as you are, you know. So, yeah. I think Chad made a really good point when he was saying earlier that really, really um, looking out for the community where there's other resources available, um, because that was something like through the, the BrainSpring Facebook group, how there was, you know, people who were posting things, I've tried this, this worked, and why don't you try this, this worked, and then learning about um, really good strategies or different software programs, or here, I'm going to share this Google Doc or this Google Slide. I can't tell you how far we were able to go because people were sharing those yes. resources. And even like, this is kind of funny, but I mean, I know that Chad teaches physics and what we teach is very different, but how we teach is very similar in the way that it has to be so engaging mm -hmm. and interactive. And so when he started doing his virtual learning and we were looking at ways to improve what we were doing, I picked his brain because I'm like, well, what platform are you using? Mm -hmm. What are you using here? Yeah. And we were bouncing ideas off one another. And he, he was taking some ideas that we were doing in live stream. He even took one of my monitors. <clears throat> ah. <laughs> oh, you were called oh, out? Oh, oh, oh. No, I gave it to him. I just, I it doesn't say brain spring on it, though. I don't see it. Well, this kind of leads into the next question pretty well, because the next question is, how have you adapted Orton-Gillingham lessons to be online? Now, I know, Chad, you're not doing that as much, but Janine, how have you adapted and your teachers adapted uh, these Orton-Gillingham um, lessons online, and how have you, how have you um, been able to deal with the fact that teachers in person have to wear masks and we're teaching phonics and it's so important for them to see our faces when we teach. So how have you adapted um, that way, Janine, or your, or your teachers? As far as adapting, um, I'm, quick little story. So this is a personal firsthand experience from just this week. We have um, a teacher who's new and um, she just went through the BrainSpring training for structures and she finished, and I'm, I'm so excited about that, can I just tell you? But she had said to me, you know, I went through the training, and I get it. I get what I'm supposed to do. I get the program. How am I supposed to do this when I have one student who's on Zoom and three students who are here, and one of those three students hasn't been through the phonics first last year because those kids rose up to... So what am I supposed to do? And I thought, okay... I need to exude confidence here, right? So I'm going to pretend I know what I'm talking about. But um, I said, okay, well, I'll help and I'll model a lesson. So I went in and, wow, that it is not easy. And so we started, you know, let's start with the three-part drill. And so I took out the blending board and I said, you know, it doesn't need to be, the first thing you need to do doesn't need to be all of this technology and, you know, it, let's just start with the blending board. And just that alone was a matter of holding it the right way and being able to turn it so that he could see it, the one who's virtual and turning it this way, and then keeping in mind, okay, we need, need to make sure that Zoom has the, the mirror feature setting done so that he's not seeing it backwards, right? And so that was, it's just little things that I think typically we take it for granted. And so Right there, it was like right off the bat, you're, again, jumping into the deep end. So it's a matter of figuring out what's going to work, what's not. So we talked about how just using the good old-fashioned blending board works, but we're also working on um, building a blending board that we can use on Google Slides. So that way we can um, share mm -hmm. the screen, yes. he can access it that way, and the kids in the classroom can do it. Um, the other piece I've been thinking a lot about is the sand tray. We've sent sand trays home, so, and that being said, every student has their own set of supplies. There's no sharing. The sand tray at home, some of those parents are not going to want a sand tray anywhere near their laptop. So, yeah, and so some of the teachers also are not super fond of the sand, but some do. Be that as it may, we talk about the different alternatives anyway, and so one of the alternatives being what if you did a gel bag, so you get a bag fill it with hair gel or fill it with that, um, that glitter glue or something like that and seal it super tight, glue the seal. 
Um, and then that way they can have it in front of their um, laptop at home. You can do it in the classroom as well. Um, but we're also learning that what you need to do if the child at home is doing it, we need to teach them how to fold the, the down to be able to see so we can see what they're doing and then bring it back up. So again, it's something that this, these first few weeks of school are about not just learning material, but making adaptations and modifications. And so these little things that, oh yeah, it's really easy, fold that down. Well, we need to teach them how to do that and teach them how to then put the camera back up again because we wanna see their face. So, um, you know, it's, it's a matter of just as we go, we're learning modifications. Um, and ever since the spring, that's probably been the philosophy. It's just learning. Yeah, I discovered something in in during instructing. Um, you know, when you're doing the three part drill, and you need to have people watching you. Mm -hmm. But then, on the other hand, you need to see what they're doing on this in the sand. So they need to have their cameras facing down. But when they do that, they can't see you. Mm, and so right. it's like lift up your screen watch me put your mm -hmm. screen down let me see what you're doing lift up your screen you know what I mean it's really I mean yeah. and, and that and I work with adults yeah I can't imagine doing this with kids well and you had part of your question which I was interested about was the um, question the that you with wearing masks, masks yeah if now that you are in person or 90% you said were in mm -hmm. person I was just curious how that was working out for the teachers. So some of the, in fact, all of the teachers have, um, we all have so many masks, right? But we also do have masks where um, it's clear where our mouth is. Mm -hmm. So that's helpful to a degree. Yes. Um, so that way the kids can see our mouth, mm -hmm. but then we also want to see their mouth. Yeah. And so we have made some recommendations to parents, you know, if you're able to get this type of mask for the kids, that would be super helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but that is something that's just a physical barrier um, mm -hmm. that because of the social distancing guidelines, as well as all of the other safety precautions, we need to be able to work around that. I, when we did the the drill yesterday, the visual drill, I'm showing them the cards. And so TH came up. And I'm thinking, I don't know if they said fourth. Right. right. So I just modeled it and thinking, I hope this is what you did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, stick your tongue out at the teacher. That's a great, I have never even seen masks like that. They're called smile masks. They're called smile masks. And they're, I was just, they're, they were developed by um, speech pathologists. So, For the um, yeah, so they have, Aww. they have clear and you can actually get, um, something to spray on them to keep them from fogging up. Um, and so there, I think that's what a so great idea. Yeah. I, I've never heard of it. Yeah. I, honestly, when you said that, I was like, what a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Janine, as you were talking about, um, your first year teacher, mm -hmm. that's, this is, this is what she's walking into. I mean, this yeah. is yes. unknown. I mean, so uh, you know, as an instructor, I've heard kind of a similar thing where there's been 10 teachers that are brand new. This is their first year right out of college. I'm thinking, oh my goodness gracious, it's your first teaching year and you have to be in this, in this situation that must be so hard. Mm -hmm. But how wonderful that she can have a mentor like you who knows the program, mm -hmm. Phonics First or Structures, knows it inside and out and you can guide her and teach mm -hmm. her not only the program itself because any program for a teacher is a lot to learn mm -hmm. be it also now during a pandemic <laughs> virtually I mean crazy but I love what I'm hearing you say about the mentorship and mm -hmm. and the teamwork I think that is just so key yeah in what's happening this year oh so that imagine. No, I agree. No, there's absolutely no way. I mean, that's hard enough as it is. I like, it's such uh, mm -hmm. a mess. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so much work in first year of teaching. Our son, his, his, one of his teachers, or one of our son's teachers, it is her very first oh. year, and she's doing wonderful, yes. but I can't imagine the pressure oh, and no. the amount of work that she must be doing because you're not trained to do that. Exactly. It's going to be part of college courses now. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, I've got to say, person. Yeah. This particular teacher, and 
in all fairness, she's, she's just new to us. She's not a brand new teacher where she's never taught before. Mm -hmm. Um, So thankfully for her own sake, she brings a lot of great skills Mm -hmm. to the classroom because I cannot imagine being like you were saying a first year teacher where you've never taught before. And then this is what you're coming into. But uh, in the spring, there was no prep for that. <laughs> like right, she was yeah. finishing up her courses. Right. And right. Like, and I wish I had thrown in a little extra course for her, just for her sake. Right. So a lot. We've got just such wow. a great yeah. group here. We've got a physics teacher teaching. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> We've got Janine rocking the dyslexia. We've got instructors. So what are we most proud of in this whole situation? Because we are working so hard. And we have the, we, have, we only have the best intentions. What are we most proud of? You. <laughs> my bangs, my Rashida Jones bang. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, I, could, I mean, personally, I'm most proud that when I ask my students if they like come to class, a lot of them say yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly. Awesome. Um, that and then you know I look at some of my uh, assessment scores and it's not That's too awesome. far off of normal. So, I mean, those are yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. If you if you don't mind coming to my class, even though it's remote and or virtual, and uh, and you guys are still learning stuff. I mean, hey. I mean, you had students who were hanging out with you the other day, even when they didn't have to be in class. So you know, they still need that need for connection right. and knowing that they have a teacher that wants that gives for them, them and yeah. gives them time mm-hmm. will want them to want to be there too. Mm-hmm. That's a big piece of it. Mm-hmm. So. It is, I mean, it is in a lot of ways for some of those kids, it's, it's managing their different crises. I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that's how you say it uh at home or whatever they're they're struggling some of them are really struggling i mean the stuff they tell me um you know it's 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 tough i mean you're, again you're balancing so much it's like yeah it's, it's crazy I exhausting i agree with you but, you know it's interesting because i think on any given day it's so much easier for me to think about the challenges and the things that, you know, I could have done better, I could have done differently. And so to really think about this, you know, what are you proud of? I think, um, you know, I'm proud of the fact that teachers at Oakwood, but other teachers too, that we're, we are doing our best to meet the kids needs and to speak, you know, specifically of the Oakwood teachers, because I, you know, I work with them. I am so proud of the hard work they put forward every single day because I have never known more dedicated teachers ever. And I've never met teachers who were more dedicated to teaching and dedicated to their kids. And, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm just really proud of that. I'm, I'm just really proud that given how hard things are right now, that, that, you know, you show up another day, you just take it one day at a time and we show up and they're there. You know, and it just reminds me a little bit about that saying, if I, I, I'm really bad at sayings, I butcher them all the time, but you know, you don't know how strong you are until there is just no other choice, but to be strong. And I think that's what it is, is with the teachers and with, with everybody right now going through this, you, what's the choice, you know? So I think that's where my mind is. I think that, uh, like, I just to kind of continue what you're saying too, is that I think we all kind of know that teachers are dedicated and and most teachers are good, but this situation has just put that in the spotlight that most, if not all teachers are so dedicated Mm -hmm. and it just shows during this situation. It's, um, it's, I, I say when I did a live stream course today with Angelina, I was like, I mean, right now, teachers are really the real heroes during COVID, along with nurses and doctors right now. I mean, Absolutely. honestly, yeah. it's um, it's pretty amazing to see. It's an important job. It is. I mean, it's, and it's, it's hard. hard. It's hard. It's a joy seeing them not only learn a very complex, intricate program, but then they just love their little kiddos so much that they think, ah, oh, how can I reach them in a different way? So they're like, 
but working on overtime and they do it for the love and joy and passion mm -hmm. of, their, of their job and mm -hmm. the teaching career. It's been amazing. Yes. So true. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent. So That's the question the is, yeah. considering multi-sensory um, um, instruction, um, how have you adapted um, your multi-sensory lessons and have you had to change anything? Um, did you try something and then realize, oh my gosh, that's not going to work at all? Um, and what, how did you change it to be more effective? So, um, can you, can you give us any specifics, like any specific lesson? And Chad too, I mean, you're, you do multi-sensory education at school when you're in person, that's but how, also speaking with her I am, but how do you, how did you adapt that? Are you are you sure? Are you sure I, I do? Know, I I'm like monosensory. <laughs> I'm on monosensory. monosensory. <laughs> well, then you think uh, about it. Just... No, I got a bunch. I got a bunch. Guys, Go for it. listen. Go. It's all out there for us. We just have to yeah. find it. And uh, you know, I so I tried to take what we did in our class normally and find an avenue to do it. So we group up. We want them to talk about physics. Somebody very smart once said that physics is like a foreign language that sounds a lot like English. <laughs> so they have to use the language in order to really understand it. So how do we do that? Well, breakout rooms in Zoom have been fantastic uh, for discussion. Um, okay, we use whiteboards to communicate um, lab results or uh, worksheets. So how do we do that? Well, while they're in that breakout room, let's make a PowerPoint or a Google Slides presentation editable for the students. So they go and they take a slide over and they put their thoughts on there and then we can share out. Labs. Uh, labs are actually, uh, we have a virtual program called Pivot, Pivot Interactives uh, out, of, out of California. It's uh, through a company called Vernier. Um, they have, Many of the labs that we would do, um, they're actually collecting data from a video. And, um, you know, it's, it's still a real lab. Like, it's real data that they're coming up with. So, again, we do that in a breakout. They talk about it. They collect data. They put their results on a Google slide whiteboard. Then we talk about it. Um, so, really, uh, there's ways to do this. Um, it's, it's out there. It's just it's finding it. You know, assessment, like writing. Um, I'm using a, a program called Formative, where, um, you know, I, I can upload all of my documents that I've already created, make it uh, an electronic assignment. I can get uh, all the student answers. I can give them feedback. I can, they can give me, ask me questions. I can have an auto grade, even like short answer and essay question. It's amazing. Like all this stuff is out there. Pear Deck. Pear Deck is another thing that I use um, to, to increase the engagement of, of a presentation. So, you know, PowerPoint presentations, you get like 15, 20 minutes in and they're done. Uh, uh, high schoolers, they're done. Like you might as well be wasting your time. So how do you make it more engaging? Well, let me put a question on here and I can see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I can then give them feedback. I can, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's all out there. It's just, you know, it's, it's finding it. It's, it's, it's uh, talking to people. It's going online and finding those resources. I mean, I can't imagine trying to do this uh, before internet. I mean, I, I can't, I don't even think it's right? Sharing of ideas is oh, amazing. So I agree. Well, virtual. I don't think, think it would be possible. That would be, it, it wouldn't exist. Right. Virtual learning wouldn't exist without the internet. Right. So Janine, can you think of anything that you've done as far as Orton Gillingham lessons? Um, yeah. What, what, what can you share? So um, I'm thinking of some of the things that I did during tutoring as well as things that some of our teachers did um, when we were doing um, the virtual learning in the spring. Um, one of our teachers had the kids take chalk and go outside and during, if they were doing um, a movement break or something, now that she had already arranged with the parents that chalk was one of the things that they had to have as a supply and they would go outside and they would 
you know, spell some words with chalk on the sidewalk. Some of the parents, it just depended on the assignment, would take a picture and then send it to her so she could see. Um, one of the things that she did for um, OG lessons, but she also did it for math, was to incorporate a movement break. So for example, for math, she would have them stand up behind their chair and you needed to count by twos and hop. And so two, four, six, eight, and then that way you're doing your count bys, but you're also moving. And so when it came to your phonemic awareness, you would integrate it that way. Um, so instead of just tapping, you were jumping. Where um, you were just, you know, getting them to just move in any way. And then I think doing with the red words, like you would do in person anyway, but doing it virtually, doing where, you know, you load it and you tap it. You can do that whether you're in person or on video, but again, you're getting that that movement piece in. Um, as far as some of the um, um, the software or the different platforms or apps or what have you, um, Flipgrid was something a couple of our teachers used, and I honestly can't talk too much to it. I haven't learned it that well, but I've heard that it's really good for getting the kids to record a response, and they could then share it. And so that way, um, that can be used for really anything. It could be used for um, a short answer to a question, or it could be if you want to hear them reading a passage or sounding things out. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Um, Kahoot. I don't know if you're familiar with Kahoot, but that's something that our teachers use for a lot of different things. And that can be used whether you're in the classroom and you're putting it on your smart board, you're sharing your screen, or if you're doing it virtually. Um, one of the one of the ones I've used a lot is Class Kick, and I've come to really like Class Kick because you can see what each child is doing. And so, if you have a child at home, so we use Google Classroom. We post the the link or the code to Class Kick that we've already created. The kids at home can access it, and then if we have the kids who were in uh, the classroom open up their laptops or their iPads, they go to that Class Kick. Everybody is now using a computer or iPad. And as the teacher, I can see what each person's doing because I'm, I'm in, logged in as a teacher. So I can check in on each person. I can make sure they're on task. I can make sure they're doing the work. If they need help, they can click a little something and I know it's like they're raising their hand. I can go help them. Um, and the thing that I like about that for doing the OG is that it doesn't have spell check. And so I used that for doing some of the dictation. And so I would just set up the page where it had the numbers and the heading. And so they would have to put the sounds, they would have to spell the word, and I could look at it. And then on my next slide, I would have the clean copy. So they or I could go back and forth to be looking at it. So that way I could see it. They're not getting that spell check underlining to tell them it's wrong. Right, right. So it's purely what, they, what, what they're typing on. So anyway, it's... Um, yeah, yeah lots of different ideas out and there. And I think I, I, I kind of something that you said way before this, but um, that I, I can't agree with more is when you mentioned when teachers ask, how do I make this multi-sensory? How do I, you know, make this engaging? And you, and you just explain, well, just do it the same way as if you were sitting across from me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the visual drill. You're mm -hmm. using your Santra, you're just going to mm -hmm. have to pull your, you know, your uh, laptop down and your camera, point it down. And doing the blending drill live or recording yourself doing that. Because there's, I, I think we get caught up so much with the technology piece and that we want to be so techy and um, get all of these, you know, bells and whistles there. But at the heart of it, it's what you're actually doing is is enough and the kids love to see your face mm -hmm. they love to see that and even if it's a recording it's a real person and i feel like sometimes we make it harder on ourselves because there are so mm -hmm. many resources out there that some sometimes not always mm -hmm. that it's easier just to use what we already have and uh, just go with that. I, I don't know, maybe that's old school thinking, but I think I, that's important. I think that's important because the resources, like Chad was saying, there's so many resources out there, you just have to find them. And then when you find them, I mean, there's so much data collection and everything that you're finding that's amazing. But then also, yeah, going old, old school mm -hmm. and just seeing what we already have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, trying to teach us 
as closely right. as we could as if we were in the classroom mm -hmm. with them. Yep. This no. whole situation is making us all so much more creative. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have got to think in ways we've never thought before. And and that is we're changing our brains. I mean, we're really we're really extending you know, uh, expanding our, our, our world, you know, mm -hmm. and, and being really creative about it. And I love that. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, I'm always finding new ways to get my husband out of the garage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you coming in for dinner? Like it's four degrees outside or it's 902 degrees outside. <laughs> Is there any sort of advice to other educators on how to make this virtual learning um, the most multi-sensory as possible. Because we know when we teach using multi-sensory strategies, we, we learn the most. Yeah, I can't help you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of already and answered that. If you, if you no, could give one sentence, in one right sentence, now. like advice to educators or some kind of like positive, I don't know, like Ooh. boost of boost of confidence to get them going and to say, you know, you've got this. What would you tell yeah. those teachers? And, and those teachers who keep their classrooms multi-sensory and want to be as engaging as possible, what would you tell them? I'm going to use my resources and go to Google right now. <laughs> I'm going to Google funny, witty advice. Oh, you can do this. It's hard. It is. It's hard, but you can do it. And I would say, I, I don't, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to sound awful, but basically work work smarter, not harder. You know, you don't want to be reinventing the wheel too much. Really share your resources, I think has been a huge um, thing that's really helped me. It's helped my teachers. Uh, find a way where you can share your resources with other teachers in your school. So that way you're not all trying to come up with the same multi-sensory um, activity or something that isn't working for them. Maybe you've figured something out. I would say try sharing with each other and collaborating. And I don't think that's a bad quote at all because we use it all the time in training, work smarter, not harder. I think that's, that's great. Chad? Well, Janine, you really kind of, I mean. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How do I follow that up? Uh, I, would, I would say be reasonable, uh, not only with, with yourself, but with your, for your students. I mean, not every day is going to be amazing. So you got to be reasonable, reasonable expectations for yourself and, and for your students. No, that's great. That is good. You, you followed it up well. How about when we know better, we do better? Oh, that's a good one. Because this is all new territory. What it is, yeah. How about, is this <laughs> as good as it gets? Is this as good as it gets? How about, are we there yet? <laughs> Well, it was so nice to see your face. Uh, yeah, Jenny. it was really nice meeting you. Yeah, it was really nice to meet you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. It was nice to meet all of you and <laughs> put names with faces in person as much as we can do in person. Uh, yeah. Yes, no, it was yes. really kind of all that time, too. Yes. Appreciate it. Yes. My pleasure. I love doing stuff with you guys, so anytime. Chad, it was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Janina.